Praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say Happy Chinese New Year. Sin Nian Kwai Le. Joyous Chinese New Year to each and every one of you. Welcome back. So good to see each and every one of you. And so many of you are in raid. So good, so good, so good, so good. Hallelujah. Yes, I'm standing here because I want to get closer to you all. How are you doing today? Good. <laughs> good. Hallelujah. Give me a five. Yes. Another five. I cannot do that for everybody, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but yes, uh, there's a technical uh, 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 problem here you know, uh, 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 because of the lights on the stage. And so when you saw just now Pastor Karen, she was in dark. She was in darkness with a bright background, you know. So if I were to stand up there, you can only see my shadow, <laughs> all right. So it's better for me to stand here. Can you all see me right at the top there? You okay? All right, at the back? All right. I will try to walk around a little bit so that uh, nobody uh, will be uh, blocked from view uh, completely, all right? And, uh, you know, nowadays even the lights are so high tech, it's not because all the bulbs go off, huh? it's just a software problem only, just a software thing, you know, and uh, praise the Lord. Yes, it's Chinese New Year. How has been your Chinese New Year? I trust that uh, you have had a good Chinese New Year with family and friends and loved ones. And some of you have gone on vacation. Some are still on vacation and others are back here. And uh, we had a fantastic service uh, last Sunday uh, 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 when it was a combined service because of the Chinese New Year holidays. And this place was just jam-packed. And we thank the Lord for each and every one uh, of you. May the Lord bless you and your family even during this Chinese New Year. And uh, I'd like to continue on, even on the theme of uh, Chinese New Year. And uh, Chinese New Year, you know, you find that there are a lot, a lot of tradition, you know. And uh, uh, some are really good, all right. Some are, well, questionable and other things. But you find that uh, Chinese New Year, you know, continues on. And there's a lot of tradition to read, including on the first day, you know, what you can do, what you cannot do. Second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, and uh, on and on, all right. But one of the traditions, one of the traditions of uh, Chinese New Year. Let me. Okay, wow. One, one of the things about the Chinese New Year is that of the Chinese New Year Eve dinner. And this is an ampao. I, I, I took a picture from, uh, it's, it's an ampao actually. And the Chinese words in big ones is uh, talking about something about the Chinese New Year Eve dinner, you know, and then a reunion dinner. And on the bottom words are about joy, unity, happiness, and all of that. And then you see the family gathering together for that common meal, the reunion meal. And also, uh, one of the features of Chinese New Year is that of reunion. Can somebody help me here? Okay. The reu reunion feast. Now, the reunion feast actually holds a lot of meaning. There's a story behind it. We won't have time. And I don't know all the details about Chinese culture in this respect. But the reunion feast is a very, very important feast. And uh, traditionally, it has been a very important one, you know. And uh, uh, families, you know, no matter where they are from, they will try. They will absolutely try to make it back home. You know, it's not the Western concept, I'll be home for Christmas. But rather, it's a Chinese concept. I'll be home for Chinese New Year. And so you find that in China, you know, during Chinese New Year, there are hundreds of millions of people that are crisscrossing the country, going back home for that kind of a reunion feast or reunion time even with their family members. Then... So sorry. Okay. And uh, it is not just a family affair. Nowadays, you find that restaurants also are cashing in on that. All right, they know how important it is. And nowadays, with everybody so busy prepared to prepare for the meals, they have thrown even the feast of prosperity 
you know, for during the Chinese New Year season. It may not be during the Chinese New Year Eve itself. It may be on other days, you know, and there you find that they will advertise even all their meals, you know, for 98 ringgit, for 188 ringgit, for 988 ringgit, for 1,888, but everything must end with an 8, all right? They have calculated so precisely that it is 8 ringgit at the back, all right? And for prosperity's sake, and so feast of prosperity, they were advertised from us to you. Wow. When you have that meal, you will be prosperous. But who's getting prosperous? The restaurant, not you, all right? We can tell it back to them. From us to you, not from you to us, you know? But come on, give, give a chance to the restaurant owners. This is the only time or the best time for them to really make some money, all right? And some of them make so much money that it will help to sustain the business for the leaner months ahead, all right? They have to cover their expenses. But some of us wouldn't want to spend so much money even for a prosperity meal. So, you know, and uh, 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 we instead opted for a prosperity burger from McDonald's, compliments of McDonald's. This year, for the first time in many, many years, I had my first taste of Prosperity Burger. First time, really, you know. Because every year, I've been going back and all that time, and I tell you, you know, I haven't really tasted Prosperity Burger. How does it taste like? It was good. And for only just slightly more than 10 ringgit, you can be prosperous. <laughs> you feel prosperous after that. And so you have the feast of prosperity. Hmm, something's wrong with this one. Can, can you help me manually? Yeah, can you just go down? Okay, so this morning, I would like to share on reunion. Feasting at the table of grace. Reunion, feasting at the table of grace. It is during Chinese New Year that there's a lot of feasting for some of us. For others who don't have feasting, we have to depend upon the mama shop because all the other smaller shops are closed unless you want to spend a lot of money in a restaurant. But you find that, you know, it is a time of reunion. Now, in the past, when, especially when my dad was still alive, I would never miss, we would never miss going back home. And they would, we would have the reunion dinner. And then after that, on the first day of the Chinese New Year, my dad will wake up very early, cook for us a few simple dishes, the traditional dishes, you know, for Chinese New Year, and it will be a great time. But after my dad had passed away, I still, still uh, tried to go back. But you find that maybe, like most other Chinese families, they are, they, you know, the reunion affair is getting smaller and smaller, and more and more people have been absent from the reunion, you know, and then... And, and uh, 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 for whatever reason it is, maybe because, you know, the patriarchs and the matriarchs have gone to, be a, uh, to, to a better place already. And with their absence, you find that the children do not see the significance or importance of it. But whatever it is, you find that, you know, it is still, it is still uh, something that is very strong, even in Chinese New Year and culture. So this morning... You know, from the biblical aspect, you find that there is a reunion, a very powerful reunion, a very heart-moving, heart-wrenching reunion that we find in the book of Genesis, chapter 43 to chapter 46. Now, as you will know, this is a, this is a story of uh, Joseph. And actually, the story of Joseph started from Genesis, chapter 37, until the end of the book of Genesis. And it talks about a, a child who was separated, who was sold into the land of Egypt. Now, I don't have to go into all the details of the life of Joseph. That is not the, the main point here. But focusing on, that, on those two occasions of reuni reunion with the family. And it is a very powerful one. And it is not an ordinary reunion, but it is reunion with the feast, you know, which I would call the feast at the table of grace. And so you find that uh, Jacob, or, or rather Joseph, was sold by his brothers into the land of Egypt. And then after that, he served in Potiphar's house and he was seduced by the Potiphar's wife. 
he resisted that and he landed in prison. And in prison, he became known as an interpreter of dreams. And he interpreted the battle of dream, which restored him to Pharaoh's household. And one day, Pharaoh had a dream nobody could interpret. The butler says, hey, there's one guy in prison. And Joseph was called. He interpreted the dream for Pharaoh. And overnight then, he became the prime minister. You want to learn how to become the prime minister of the land? Read Genesis 37 to 50. But it did not happen just overnight. It took a while. And so when he became the, the prime minister, he, there was seven years of plenty, seven years of lag. And during good economy times, uh, Joseph just gathered all the riches, all the produce of the land. Then came the seven years of famine, and the famine struck the land. And after two years, you find that the, the, uh, it was very severe. And uh, the famine struck not only Egypt, but also the surrounding nations and one of which is Cana. And that was where Jacob and his family lived. They were affected by the famine. So one day, Jacob told his te uh, ten sons, except Benjamin, the youngest uh, child of Rachel, go to Egypt because I have heard that there's food in Egypt. And so that was where he sent his ten uh, sons to go shopping. Jacob heard there was grain for sale in Egypt, so he told his sons, go there and buy some so that we won't starve to death. So from Cana, they went all the way to Egypt. And it was there that there was that reunion and that encounter with a long loss, or not long loss, but with a brother whom they assumed was dead. There was a long journey to reunion. The first visit of Joseph's brother recorded for us in Genesis chapter 42. And then the second visit of Joseph's brothers in Genesis 43 to 45. And there is a reunion in Egypt. Finally, Joseph was reunited with his ten brothers. But that wasn't enough. He wanted to see his younger brother, Benjamin. And he wanted to see his father, Jacob. And so there was finally the visit of Joseph's father and a family reunion in Goshen. And the Bible tells us that, you know, the Bible tells us it's a software problem, all right? Today, a lot of software problems. Okay, and uh, in Genesis chapter 43, verse 16, you know, and uh, that was before the revelation of Joseph to his, to his brothers. You know, before they recognized him as, he, as, as, as uh, the brother, Joseph invited them, invited his ten brothers to a feast. And the Bible says, uh, he, he instructed the servants, make ready for the man. The ten brothers are to dine with me at noon. Finally, he says, serve the food. And they drank and were merry with him. They did not know that this was a feast of grace, really, at the table of grace. You know, they thought that, wow, what a surprise. We came here trying to buy food for our family back home. Instead, we were treated to a grand feast. And I tell you, this feast here must be really grand. Must be really grand. They have never eaten such a meal, more than 10 courses. All right, it may be a 20-course dinner or rather lunch. It was, uh, uh, it was a lunchtime. And so you find that there was the spread of the meal and they were so happy, they ate as much as they could and it was a meal that they could not forget. But they did not know that it was actually a meal, a feasting at the table of grace until the next chapter or rather two chapters later when Joseph revealed himself. Brothers and sisters, it is not just a makan time, it is not just a meal time, but the grace that was shown by Joseph. The grace and forgiveness that Joseph showed towards his brothers is a picture of God's grace for each and every one of us, inviting us to the banquet, to feast at the table of grace. What is grace? It is more than just forgiveness. 
It is forgiveness plus favor. It is forgiveness plus blessings. Grace is forgiveness plus status. Grace is forgiveness plus provision. That's what grace is. Let us briefly look even into this text. First of all, grace pardons. Everybody say grace pardons. Grace pardons sin, shame, and guilt. Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold to the Ishmaelites by his brothers. And then later, he was sold to the Midianites. And later, he was sold again to Potiphar's household. Can you just imagine being his, in his position, being sold like a cattle from one trader to another? And uh, he was a slave for 22 years. But when he became prime minister of the land of Egypt, he was 39 years old. But for 22 years, he was living in slavery. The Bible tells us in Genesis 45 verse 1 to verse 4, the moment when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, he couldn't contain it anymore. Now, when he first saw the brothers who visited him to buy food, they did not recognize him, but he recognized them. And it was an elaborate plan that he put up in order to test whether his brothers have changed or not. You read the story for yourself. And when something happened in chapter 44, whereby Judah stood up, when Joseph wanted to put Benjamin, his younger brother, into prison, Judah stood up and said, No, no, my Lord. And his confession was as transparent as ever. He confessed his sin before God of how his brother Joseph was assumed dead and, and, and Jacob lived. The reason why Jacob lived was because of Benjamin. And if Benjamin were to be in prison, he said, my father, my aged father will die. He cannot take the news. And Judah said, take me instead. I'll be ready to become your slave. Joseph saw the change in Judah and his brother's life. The one, the ones who sold him off as a slave is now willing to become a slave on behalf of his younger brother. But all these years, for 22 years, they were living in shame and guilt. And finally, in chapter 44, it all came out. It all came out. And when Joseph saw that, the Bible says, he cannot stood it anymore. He revealed himself to his brothers and says, I am Joseph. No condemnation here. Look at his, all his words. I am Joseph. He could have said, you lousy brothers. You scoundrel. No, no, no. His first thought was for his family. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? It's amazing that in the 17 verses where Joseph spoke in this passage, more than 10 times he mentioned his father. Is my father still alive? Of course, by now he knows that his father is breathing. But Joseph is not interested to find out whether the, the father is still breathing or not. 
alive. You see, life is more than just a heartbeat. It's my father. Still strong. It's my father living more than just existing. Is my father capable of a relationship with me again? His concern was for the father. Not the sins of his brother. And then he said to his brothers in verse 4, come near to me please. Oh, his desire for relationship more than anything else. Come near to me. Friends, that's the invitation of grace. Come near to me. Doesn't matter what you have done, what you have said against me. All is forgiven. All is forgotten. Come near to me. Grace invites us into a relationship. Come near to me. There was a distance between him and the brothers. Come near to me. Perhaps there are many of us even within our own family members who are so far away from them. Not by physical distance, even in a reunion dinner, you may be seated at the same table, but you are so far away from each other. You cannot look into one another's eye. You cannot talk sincerely with each other. And the invitation of grace is, come near to me, please. No revenge. <clears throat> no condemnation. And he further said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. Sometimes people say, forgive and forget lah. In the case of Joseph, he forgave. But he cannot forget. He says, whom you sold into slavery, into Egypt. Is it wrong? No, no, he's not putting the blame. He's not putting the blame on them. He's not accusing them of anything at all. He's just mentioning something of a fact that happened. He did not hold any grudges against them. At all. But later on, he would, he would, he would explain in verse 6 on, <coughs> in, in, in verse uh, 5 onwards, explain really putting everything into perspective. Yes, you sold me into Egypt, but God has another plan. So he wasn't putting the blame on the brothers. And finally, he says here, you know, uh, I'm your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. And then in verse 14, he fell upon his brothers and, and this is the reunion of all time. Oh, the greatest reunion that you can ever see really. He fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Now he and Benjamin, of course, these are the, two, the only two sons of Rachel. You know, and they are really close. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. Wow, a lot of weeping. How was your Chinese New Year reunion? Was there a lot of weeping or not? Because you haven't seen your brother, sister, uncle, auntie, third cousin, you know, uh, and your father for so long and you meet each other, you wept and wept. Now, it depends on what kind of reunion. This is a reunion after 22 years. They have not seen each other for 22 years. If you see each other every two weeks, ah, what kind of reunion is that? But then we cannot take each other for granted. And I like what he says here. And after that, his brothers talk with him. There is full reconciliation. His brothers talk with him. Friends, in Genesis chapter 37, after Joseph has shared his dreams, the Bible says his brothers hated him and cannot talk with him peacefully. That's why it's recorded. The brothers cannot talk with Joseph peacefully. Jealousy, envy, whatever, all because not Joseph was too naive. But now, they are able to talk. That's what grace does. 
when grace is in that relationship, there is peace in that relationship, and we are able to talk with each other. Oh, Joseph's heart goes for the family, for his father, for his brother. Family is important, yes. But so many families are broken up and they cannot talk with each other. It happened in my family. It's still, it is still happening right now. Sad. When my brother and my sister cannot talk with each other, and when they, when they talk about each other, it's always negative. But that's the fact of life. Many, many of us have dysfunctional family. It's not ideal. It's not happening the way it should be. That's where we need grace. The grace of God. When grace appears, then brothers and sisters, parents and children will be able to talk happily with each other. How many of you need grace in this area? Yes, we do need the grace of God to break through every barrier, to break through every negative feelings that we have for each other. And there was, jo uh, there was the brothers of Joseph. They were stunned when, when, they, when, when, when Joseph revealed himself to them because they, could, they, they, they couldn't take it and they were terrified, the Bible says. They were utterly, desperately in need of grace and mercy and forgiveness. That for a while, they couldn't say anything before Joseph. But after receiving the grace of God, even through Joseph, demonstrated through Joseph, all the barriers, all the walls came tumbling down and they are able to talk again. I pray this for your family, that all the barriers and walls, all the miscommunication will break down and the grace of God will work mightily in your life and in your family that we will be able to talk as a family again. Somebody say, Amen. And that even in the family of God, perhaps there are some who are not able to talk with others. You attend the first service because there's somebody you don't like in the second service. No, 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 I know, I know that's not a reason, all right? I'm just throwing that one in, all right? There's some people that we cannot talk to, you know, and it makes our blood boil. These kind of things are, hey, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the grace of God is really needed to bring about that healing. God has pardoned us, so let us pardon and forgive each other. We are just like Joseph's brothers, in need, utterly in need of pardon and forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. Hebrews 4, 16, let us draw near with boldness to the throne of grace. Friends, we move from the table of grace now to the throne of grace that we may, that we may have mercy and find grace for help in time of need. Grace and mercy. You need it, I need it. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we deserve. The brothers of Joseph deserve to be put into prison and perhaps even sentenced to death and Joseph could have done that to his brothers, but he did not. He gave them grace and mercy instead. I identify with the brothers of Joseph. I identify with the Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter 15, verse 22 to 27, who came to Jesus Christ begging for help, for healing over her daughter who was oppressed by a demon. And Jesus replied, I came for the house of Israel. Shocking reply. 
And Jesus further says, it is not right that I take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. You don't deserve to, to have bread. It is meant for the children of Israel. Shocking, shocking statement from Jesus. But it was, it was a test of her faith. And the woman reached out and says, Yes, Lord, it is true. It is not right to give the children's bread and give it to the dogs. But even the dogs will eat from the crumbs that fall from the table. The crumbs of bread that fall from the table is good enough for dogs. And Jesus says, you are a woman of great faith. Your child is healed. And her daughter was set free immediately. Crumbs of grace is what she wanted and needed. That's all. Not a, you know, stable spread with all kinds of dishes. But even crumbs of grace is sufficient for all our needs. Crumbs of bread and drops of mercy. Friends, we need it. We need it in our relationship. We need it in our walk, in our life. We are what we are today because of the grace of God. Doesn't matter who you are, what station of life, what status you have accomplished. You may be much, much better than your other brothers and sisters, but it is the grace of God that made it possible. It is the grace of God that has pardoned us. We are sinners saved by grace. But now the master do not call us dogs anymore. He calls us children of the Most High. Sons and daughters of God. And now that we have received that crumbs of grace and drops of mercy, let's show it to others as well. Joseph was able to show grace and mercy. You know why? Because of his perspective in life. His perspective in life is so different. Yes, he suffered for 22 years in the land of Egypt. But after that, the Bible tells us that He became prime minister at the age of 39 and he died at the age of 110. He suffered for 22 years but had a blessed life for 71 years. But behind it all, he says it was God, not him. Not him. Not his brothers. Not his father. Not the circumstances. It was God. Friends, let's put life into proper perspective. You see, in these few verses, he says, For God sent me, and God sent me. You thought that you sent me, but it was God, God, God. His life was totally committed to God. And that's how he became successful. Nothing happens to us by accident. Some of you may be wondering, why God? Why am I suffering? Why am I in this situation? See life from God's perspective. He has a plan, He has a reason, He has a purpose which we may not know yet. We may be in those 22 years. We may be in those seven lean years. But whatever it is, let us see that it is not other people. It is not the circumstances. It is not the government. But God is in control of all things. Somebody say, Amen. God is still in control of your life if you will allow the grace of God to work mightily in you. Receive the forgiveness. It's very hard to live a guilt-ridden life for 22 years, the brothers live with that kind of a conscience. 
we have killed our brothers. 22 years suffering in shame and agony. Finally, blurted out by Judah in chapter 44. Receive forgiveness. Seen life from God's perspective. Was God part of the evil? No. Was God part of the plan? Yes. Oh, we can talk about this for a long time. But I must move on. You find that? God can set us free from our sin, from our shame, from our guilt. Don't live in guilt anymore. Let the grace of God set each one of us free. Come before God in confession like Judah. Repent and be transformed by the grace of Almighty God. Grace that pardons us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Grace of God. How rich, how sweet. Don't take it for granted. Secondly, Grace provides. Grace provides for all present needs. Grace, as I said, is not only just forgiveness. Grace is also provision. The Bible here tells us, Joseph provides for his brothers. After all the reunion and, and words that were said, words of assurance and forgiveness and grace in action, Joseph says, come. Come to Egypt. Come to Egypt, to the land of Goshen. There I will provide for you. The famine has been there for just two years. There are still five more years of famine. Joseph says, come. I will provide for you. Your eyes will see. See, you know, it is I speaking. Your eyes have seen me. It is my voice that you are hearing. And I'm saying it. I will provide for you. Oh, what great grace that was shown even by Joseph to his brothers. How many of you would like to have a brother like Joseph who will tell you, don't worry, I will provide for you. Not only for you, but for your children and for your, for your children's children's education as well. Don't worry about your college fees. I will provide for everything. Your house, don't worry. I will give you the best of my land. I got orchards, you know, and I will, have, I will make sure my servants deliver food to, the, to your table. I will make sure all transportation, camel, Cadillacs will be yours. Wow, what a brother. But that's the richness of God's grace, really. And that's what God says to us, my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, I will provide for you. You will stay in the land of Goshen. Next slide, please. And not only Joseph provides, but even Egypt will provide. Pharaoh, when Pharaoh heard that Jacob, uh, uh, Joseph's brothers are there in Egypt. You know, it was good news to him. Now, this is unbelievable, unbelievable again. You know, how, how, how can a heathen king, a pagan king, welcome the family of Joseph like that? Maybe, most likely, it's because of the good relationship that Joseph had with, with Pharaoh. And it is because of all that Joseph has done for Egypt. So the land was open and Pharaoh promised, come to me. Come to me, I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. You shall eat of the fat of the land. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Wow! The king of the land opened the country even to Joseph and his family, his brothers. Grace provides for all our needs. Have no concern what you shall wear, what you shall eat. The Father in heaven knows that you need all of these and He will provide. Next slide, please. The land of Goshen. Why the land of Goshen? It is very strategic in God's plan. Very, very strategic. You see, God is about to form a nation. You may, we, we, we do not understand. We understand it now. 
But in those days, uh, now, Joseph couldn't understand. You know, the, uh, uh, Jacob could not understand. And, and it was, it was uh, Joseph who mentioned it, and it was also given by, 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 by Pharaoh. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. You find that, hey, the Egyptians despise the Hebrews. They are, they are uh, sheep herders, and, 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 and Egyptians do not like sheep herders at all. So they give them a piece of land in the land of Goshen. And guess what? That land was the river Nile Delta. It was one of the most fertile parts of the land. It is prime land, real estate. It boggles the mind why the Pharaoh is so generous to give them this part of the land, one of the most fertile regions. Yes, maybe he wanted to isolate them from the rest of Egypt. And it was God's plan also. If God has not, have not brought them to this land of Goshen, Jacob and his family would have died and perished, most likely in Cana, and they would have been assimilated. If they lived, they would have been assimilated into the culture, into the paganistic culture of the land of Cana. But God was just about to form a nation. And he moved the heart of a king to give the best part of the land even to Jacob and Joseph and 70 of the family members. God is wise. When he provides, he provides the best. Somebody say, Amen. He provides the best. He does, he does not just give us leftovers. His grace provides the best for each and every one of us. He opens the hearts of heathens and hidden kings in order to make His provision available for each and every one of us. Next slide, please. So grace not only pardons, but it also provides and there is also the promises of grace. God promises a hope and a future. A hope and a future. And here is where we go into chapter 46. Now before that, in chapter 45, it closes with Joseph, under the command of Pharaoh, sent his brothers back, not empty-handed, but loaded send them with the wagons and the chariots of Egypt. Wow! And when Jacob saw all this, he was, he was stunned. He was surprised. What's happening? And the sons, the, 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 the sons of, uh, of Jacob came and tell him, Joseph is alive! Bible says, Jacob did not believe his sons. Now, this is very strange. When the sons told him, Joseph is dead, is this your son's coat covered with blood? 22 years earlier, they showed them, they showed Jacob the shirt of Joseph covered with blood. Is this your son's coat? He says, yes. And they told him a lie. Joseph is dead and he believed them. Now they came back and said, Joseph is alive. And tell them, and tell him the truth. He did not believe the truth. Sometimes we live in a lie. We believe in a lie rather than the truth. And sometimes we believe in a lie for so long that we think that it's the truth. And when the truth is told to us, we think that it's a lie. And that's what our nation is going through right now. Truth and lies, Christ and truth, and we don't know what is what. But here is the truth. Joseph is alive. Jacob did not believe it, but when he saw the wagons, when he saw the wagons loaded with goods, he said, it is enough. It is enough, I'm convinced. And then, he decided, yes, I will go to Egypt. I will see my son. And the Bible here says, so Israel took his journey with all that he had 
and came to Beersheba. Beersheba. Very significant place. And he did the traditional thing that his forefathers have always done. He offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And then, God gave him a promise. Not just a promise, but many promises at Beersheba. He encountered the presence of God. And the promises of God just came to him. And God spoke to Israel. Two names were mentioned. Israel and Jacob. Same person. Jacob the scoundrel, the trickster. Israel, the prince of God. God recognized him now as Israel and called him out in the middle of the night. And, uh, and, and, and God said, I am God. Friends, that's all we need. And God says, I am God. We better listen. And the word God is from the Hebrew word El, E-L, E-L. The mighty one, the almighty one, your protector, your shield, your provider. L, I am L. Powerful. The God of your fathers. The God of Isaac, the God of Abraham. I am God. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. Now this is very strange because traditionally, God has always forbidden His children to go to Egypt. God said to Abraham, don't go to Egypt. God said to Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Because Egypt is a symbol of the world. But now, God said to Jacob, go down to Egypt. Is God contradicting himself? No, those two men, Abraham and Isaac, they wanted to go to Egypt because of lack of faith. They have, they have lost that faith that God will provide. And so in their desperate measures, in times of difficulties and famine, they look to Egypt for help, lack of faith. But in this case, it's not a lack of faith. It is a timing of God. God says, now it is the right time. Now it is the right time for you to go to Egypt. You see, God, God doesn't contradict himself. Sometimes it's a matter of planning. And now is the right time. God says, go to Egypt. And God gave him a promise, I will make you a great nation. At that time, there were only 70 of them. 70 go down to Egypt. God did not tell them how long they will be in, they will be in Egypt. You see, in this short phrase itself, in just a few sentences, it covers more than 400 years of history. Do you know that? This is a prophecy that covers more than 400 years. God gave a promise of what He's going to do for 400 years of the nation's history. You go down to Egypt, I will make you a nation. From just 70 people, they grew to more than, uh, more than a million, maybe even more than 3 million people. I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. God will go down with them to Egypt. The second promise. His presence will be with them in Egypt. Yes, 400 years of suffering. 400 years of slavery under the Egyptians. And they cried out to God as if God was not with them. But God says, I will go down with you there. My presence will be with you all. God was never absent in those 400 years of their suffering. And I will also bring you up again. Hey, the Exodus is already mentioned here. God needed the 400 years to bring Israel up, to develop Israel as a nation. And then after that, God says, I will bring you out again. And God sent Moses. And that was the Exodus. You see the plan of God. Now, sometimes we don't understand all this plan. God, why? Why go to the trouble? Why take Joseph into, uh, or rather Jacob and his family into Egypt 
you know, 400 years of suffering, and after that, take them out again. Why don't you just form the nation right there in Cana? Because they were there in, the, in Cana, in the promised land already anyway. But no, God needs a special place, the land of Goshen, to form the nation. We don't understand God's plan sometimes. Sometimes it goes against our intuition, our tradition. But Lord, I've been taught this way. Even when we don't understand God's plan, you can trust in His grace. Somebody say, Amen. You can trust in His grace. We cannot see into 400 years into the future. But God knows. God sees. And God gives that comfort to Jacob. Joseph's hand will close your eyes. You will die in peace. And so there was that Bathsheba experience. Worship God. No matter where you are at, stop and worship. Don't just rush into things. Covenant, no matter what you go through, God is committed to each and every one of us. Grace, no matter what your needs are, God's grace is enough. Obedience, no matter what God's will is, seek obedience over happiness. Over this Chinese New Year, we say, we say, all right, you know, and the main thing is happiness, prosperity. But the more important thing is seeking God's will, walking in God's will, even though we do not understand everything. And Jacob just obeyed. He obeyed. He did not understand, but he obeyed. And it wasn't just, you know, for a short while of reunion. When you go for a reunion, you go for one day, two days, three days, one week the most. But this is not a reunion. It is moving. Moving the entire family from a familiar surrounding to a foreign nation. But Jacob obeyed. Jacob obeyed and God blessed even him and the family. Next. And there was a reunion there in the land. And next slide, please. So Israel settled in the land. In the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen. Acquired property in it. Were fruitful. Multiplied greatly. In Genesis chapter 47, verse 27. Fulfilling all God's plan. Until the time came when they have to leave Egypt. And God fulfilled His promise. Let's move on to the next slide before some of you get blinded. Okay, good. <laughs> Friends, reunion, feasting at the table of grace. This is unending love. Amazing grace. Feasting at the table of grace where there is pardon, where there is provision and the promises of God that will be fulfilled in your life. Let's pray. Amen.